This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Here's Barrett from Shake and Bake, down to three. That's eyes in the crowd with Barrett. Five on the 24. Barrett previously in the airport. The drive, the land, that's a That's a back keeps out That's it for baseball. That is certainly it for baseball. Do you guys see last night's game? And when I say last night, um, talking Tuesday night, game six of the World Series, Dodgers pulled it out as expected, I think, by most. Um, another year goes by where the team that makes the most contact the team that hits the ball at a higher clip and the team that hits more home runs wins the World Series. And it's not a shock because, you know, balanced offenses. And then on the other end, obviously, you got elite pitching from the Dodgers. Um, You know, a good balanced attack from both sides of the diamond. That's what usually wins you a championship. And once again, we see that. Um, Yeah, Dodgers had it in game, what was it? Game four? Yeah, probably could have got it done quicker had they not collapsed in that ninth inning the other night. Um, But yeah, they got it done regardless. And um, obviously the big story of game uh, game six was Kevin Cash or, you know, really it was probably, you know, in today's game, it's the front office making these decisions. Whoever it was, you know, the, the... pimple-faced fucks in the Tampa Bay front office, you know, those stupid, probably, you know, 20-something-year-old interns, you know, punching numbers in a calculator. It was them who screwed everything up for the, fix this, for the um, Tampa Bay Rays in the end. (laughs) You know, Blake Snell was absolutely cruising. What was he throwing a one hitter, um, and out into the sixth inning? The Rays were up one nothing. He had nine strikeouts through those five and a third. Seventy something pitches. Just you know, your horse was absolutely cruising. You don't do what the Rays did. You just can't do that. You can't take him out there. I don't give a shit how great, how elite your bullpen is. You know, don't care how great Nick Anderson, who I think is the guy who came in relief, is. <laughs> you don't take your your horse out of the ball game when he is absolutely cruising in a game six of the World Fucking Series. You don't do that. But the numbers said so. 
and it bit him in the ass. It bit the rays right back at him. The pen ends up giving a couple of, uh, giving up a couple of runs, and there's your ball game right there. The Dodgers don't look back. And I'm sure the Dodgers dug out when that move happened. I'm sure they were all fucking thrilled that Cash made that mistake. Whoever. <laughs> it was unfucking believable. But I was so happy. I was so happy that it was that move that costed the Rays the uh, the World Series. You know, I was so happy it was analytics that lost the game for them. Because now, you know, we can finally, get, hopefully, some people who don't have common sense can finally start seeing some common sense and realizing that analytics are not the end-all be-all, right? That analytics are cool, are useful, but as a tool and not as your number one source. And that was the issue with the race. A little bit, a little bit too much. And again, that's why the Dodgers won. You know, they're not the most old school team, but in the end, they hit the ball at a high clip, right? Batting average. They had a lower K rate, you know, in the games that they won. It's not fucking, it's not, it's not a shock. You know, they got better starting pitching. It's the things like that, you know, competent, normal things that win you baseball games. And the Rays ended up losing by, by analytics. And I fucking love it. I actually went on. Twitter. I usually hop on Twitter every couple of months. I don't use it much anymore, but I will. And I, and I have my little fun making fun of all those fucking, you know, millennial acne face nerds in the front office. <laughs> I ended up losing the World Series. It was amazing. It was amazing. And as a Yankees fan, obviously, well, I hate the Dodgers too, but you're, you're not a race fan. We're not fucking race fans in 2020. So we were happy to see them go down. Um... <laughs> Now, did you guys see after the game? I don't know if it was uh, just... Um, I don't know what it was. I, I, I think it was... Somebody said it was his earpiece. But Rob Manfred, and he had a couple of interviews. One with... What was his name? Tom Verducci. And then the other with... Um, Seeger, I think. Where he was like slurring his words and talking really slow and and we couldn't figure out if he was drunk I couldn't figure out if he was you know if it was a health issue it sounded like he was having a stroke it was really odd it was really creepy and eerie for a moment but I think I read somewhere a couple hours later that I guess his earpiece was echoing and he heard his own voice you know delayed through the earpiece. So I guess that's kind of what made him talk as weird as he did. It was really weird. It was odd. You know, I got to find the clip and I'll, maybe I'll post it. Um, but you'll find it online. You can, I'm sure you can find it online. Um, Rob Manfred. It was really odd. It was really awkward. Odd. Um, it was really fucking weird. But I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like the earpiece that was echoing or something it was a little delayed so he was kind of slurring his words because he was distracted it was so weird freaked me the fuck out at first but the Dodgers went in six um analytics lose again (laughs) I fucking love it um we're not talking baseball tonight though for the majority of this podcast uh we will be discussing once again the New York Knicks um for the ninth episode in a row 
<laughs> talking more Knicks offseason draft. Um, episode uh, 172. Yeah, 172 of the podcast tonight. Talking Knicks and um, a couple things have surfaced. Um, so we're going to get to them as soon as we get back from break. BRB. All right, fellas. So really quick, I just want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to my podcast on the many different platforms that I'm on, you can do so right now. And all you got to do to do that is go to my website. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to the podcast and listen to the podcast or watch it on the many platforms we have, go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Yeah, so, um, you know, not much really has been going on, but, you know, for the most part, it's been quiet, but there has been some stuff happening um, in terms of, you know, more rumors lately. Why is this screen so slow? There we go. Um, but the Knicks... The New York Knicks have, um, I guess, been in the rumors of late. Um, you know, I think yesterday it surfaced that the Knicks are willing. It was Leon Rose, uh, a report that said Leon Rose willing to take on bad contracts if the deal includes a young player and some assets. Okay, so that was that, you know, so to break it down for you, what that really means, um, so you have Team A, okay, Team A is the team that wants to unload the bad contract, okay, then you've got Team B, who are the Knicks, okay, the the non-contender, and the Knicks are going to take on that bad contract, right, and to take on that bad contract, the Knicks are going to give Team A players that are on expiring deals, players on team-friendly, non-guaranteed contracts. And we obviously know the Knicks have plenty of them, right? Um, So, Team B and the Knicks, you know, in return, along with that guy on a bad contract, get maybe a young player, or more importantly, get assets like draft capital in return. You know, maybe get some couple, maybe a couple of first round picks. That's the big thing here, right? And that's, you know, we always talk about on the show, and I always say financial flexibility, financial flexibility. That's why financial flexibility is huge, right? Because now the Knicks have plenty of cap space to where they can let go of all these guys on these team deals, right? Taj Gibson making nine point five million for next year, um, Alfred Payton making eight million, Bobby Portis. Um, you know, obviously he's he's got that fifteen million dollar option. Wayne Allen can make an eight mil, and then Bullock making four point two million. Wave as many of those guys as you can. You know, clear the you know, empty the books, and you know, take on a guy with a bad contract and get some assets in return. That's huge. That is huge. The Knicks have plenty of cap space, and the Knicks need plenty of talent. So this is a no-brainer for them. It's positive news, right? It says that Leon Rose is being savvy, right? And that that right there is not the Knicks of old, right? You never heard the Knicks of old being savvy, kind of a small market mentality, right? 
the Knicks of old would trade. They would trade for that big money guy, but they would also give away all their talent and give away all their assets in the process. Right. But what you're hearing now is they're willing to trade for that big cash guy, but only if it comes with a young player or if it comes with a couple of draft picks for the future. So not only does this give the Knicks more draft capital potentially, but it also prevents them from doing any dumb band-aid big money moves, which wouldn't include collecting assets, right? So if the Knicks were to go through on this rumor and find a way to do this, you know, they wouldn't we wouldn't have to worry about them making the mistake of trading for a Westbrook, right, or a CP3 who both of them would require you know, trading away an RJ Barrett or trading away one of your Mavericks picks or your Hornets picks or a Clippers pick, right? Doing it the way, you know, of getting assets in return of that heavy contract, that's huge. You know, we saw the Boston Celtics do this to the Brooklyn Nets a few years back, right? When the Celtics sent away KG... Pierce and Terry to the Nets. You know, they got a bunch of journeymen back. I think Chris Humphreys, uh, maybe what was it, Gerald Wallace, and a couple other guys who can't come to mind. Um, but they also got in return three future first round picks. Three. Obviously, Jason Tatum was one of them who they eventually drafted. So it worked for them. Uh, the Miami Heat did this with, with the Golden State Warriors. They sent away Winslow to Golden State, and they took on Negadawa's contract, but as well as that, they got a first-round pick in return this past season. So it has worked for teams in the past. It has helped Miami become a better team and, you know, a younger team and a team with some flexibility in the draft. It has helped, you know, the Golden State Warriors, um, I'm sorry, the Boston Celtics draft Jason Tatum, and I think Brown was used for one of those picks. So it's it's a strategy that could, that could really fucking work. Um, and again, for the players that the Knicks will be trading away, you're talking about a bunch of those guys that I listed. You know, This probably wouldn't be an, an ideal situation um, for trading Julius Randle. That's not, you know, you know if you're going to trade Randle, you know, his contract is still large. So he, he's somebody who you're going to have to trade for, you know, a player just as talented, you know, for a good player, not just draft capital. But, you know, I'm talking about trading Portis, you know, trading away Gibson, Alfred, Wayne, Bullock, all those guys that we don't need. You know, so if that's the one thing you could, you know, praise the Knicks that they did last offseason after failing to get Kyrie KD, they at least did it. They spent smartly, right? They were smart with how they spent their money. Obviously, it didn't work out on the court, but... We're in 2020 right now at the end of the year. And now it looks like we have some options. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not looking for a CP3, a Blake Griffin, a Westbrook, an Oladipo, Tobias Harris. You're probably, you know, there are some guys that you, you, you know, you don't want them. You know, again, you don't want the Knicks to, to prioritize name value over practical value. Right. You're looking at guys like. I don't know. Some guys I listed here, um, Utah's Mike Conley, maybe. You know, he he's an option. Um, I know he's got an expiring deal. Um, he's on the final year of his contract in 2021, where he's owed 35 million. Um, so maybe 
get him for a year um, and you get some assets back or you trade him at the deadline and you get even more draft capital in return. Um, also with Utah, Joe Inglis. Is that how you say his name? No, Joe Angles, right? Um, possibly. Maybe. that I feel like they're going to keep him, but he did regress. He regressed a bit in 2020, and he's also owed $24 million total in the next two seasons. Just naming off players. Um, a popular name that has come up, Al Horford from Philly. Could pull it off, right? You start with Portis as 15 mil, and you work your way down from there. Um, I don't love this idea. You know, I would not want Horford um, just because if he has poor spacing with the Sixers, you know, with Embiid, how is that going to get any better for the Knicks? How is that going to improve their squad? Um, yeah, you get your draft capital, but you also want to make sure the product on the court doesn't get harmed. I don't know. Maybe if you trade for Horford, you give him, you know, minutes sparringly, and you don't, you make sure you play him with the right guys but you would have to do a lot to your roster around him in order to make that work. Um, Gary Harris is also a guy I really actually think could be a good idea. Do Denver, you know, do they give him away? Um, You know, he's owed $39 million in the next two seasons. Uh, I know Denver wants to sign back Jeremy Grant. You know, he's probably going to look for a bigger contract. Um, I know Denver wants Michael Porter Jr. to be their their guard. I was going to say guy and guard at the same time <laughs> to be their guard of the future. You know, so they want him to get more touches as much as possible. So maybe, you know, he's in a potential deal here, you know, to give the Knicks some, you know, a credible backcourt combo guard who could, you know, shoot, score, create. Another stop again. The guys the Knicks will be getting in return on these contracts will be stop gaps. You know, guys you only rent for a year or trade away after half a season. You know, so it's nothing legit. You know, the the thing to sweeten the pot here is those draft picks that you would be getting in return. It's nothing about the guy on the contract you're getting. That that's just a throw-in. That's to make this work. Um, you know, Thad Young from Chicago, Otto Porter Jr. from Chicago, uh, maybe. LaMarcus Aldridge of the Spurs, although the Spurs would probably be looking to trade him to a contender, being, you know, he's at a, you know, on the on the uh, downside of his career. He's getting older. He's, you know, his heydays are over, and he's probably looking to play for a contender. And, you know, a contending team would probably give a better offer than the New York Knicks uh, for Aldridge. But maybe they got Tareem Prince on Brooklyn. I know the Knicks and Nets probably don't like to do deals, but you know I know the Nets would probably like to re-sign Joe Harris, big money. He had a great season for them. Um, you know the Knicks would get a tradable forward in return who could shoot and you know, you know score, space the floor a little bit, um, rebound some, play a little defense. So you know just some options out there for the Knicks. It's it's a good um, a rumor that you want to hear. It's something that's not. You know, you don't get excited, but you don't get upset. You know, usually when Knicks are rumored in the offseason, whenever, you get upset, right? You're like, what the fuck is it now? But this is something that, that is realistic. It's a realistic thing to do. Now, do the Knicks do this? I, I don't know. You know, James Dolan is still the owner. Who the fuck knows what they're going to do? But you would like to think that Leon Rose could have some competence and do something like this and make something work. Be right back.
I'm on a few different social media platforms today. If you want to follow my Instagram account, follow at Rob J. Carbone. If you want to follow my Facebook or Twitter account, follow at NY Sports Talk RC. All right, so moving on, um, I also want to talk about one more thing tonight before we wrap this up and get to the question of the day. Um, there's a kid by the name, we've talked about him before, a prospect named, uh, named Kyra Lewis Jr., who could really be a good, solid option. Um, but the report um, is, you know, it, it was a couple hours ago today, on Wednesday, the, eight, uh, the 28th, that um, the report said that the Knicks held a pre-draft workout for Kyra Lewis Jr., and that's good. You know, that's good to hear. I know that they had an interview through Zoom with Lewis a couple of weeks ago, maybe. But, you know, having a workout with him, you know, it shows some interest now. You know, because I know teams can only hold, I think, because of the COVID protocol, um, 10 pre-draft workouts. You're only allowed 10 in-person workouts this offseason. And so they use one of those on Kyra Lewis Jr. Obviously, that says they're interested. And I know one of their assistant coaches... Um, Kenny Payne. Kenny Payne is very interested. You know, he, he's always been, I think I read somewhere that he's always been a big Kyra Lewis Jr. guy. So maybe it's somebody they think of. You know, the Knicks have the number eight pick in the first round, and then they've got a 27 pick with the LAC pick. So, you know, I know Lewis is projected to be mid to late first. Um, some mocks do have him top 10, so there's a chance he, he you know, is, is selected early. Um, but he, he's a very realistic option for the Knicks. And honestly, I would not hate it. Um, also though, I, he's going to have some competition. The Knicks, the Knicks are, <clears throat> you know, I know Phoenix, um, they are the 10th pick and, you know, they had two zoom calls with this kid already. I know the Chicago bulls are interested. Uh, the magic, the 15th pick. Uh, I know he worked out for the magic. The Pistons are interested and I think one other team that I'm not thinking of at the moment. So the Knicks have some competition out there, guys who are looking for a, a creator at the point guard position. Um, and that's who Kyra Lewis Jr. is. You know, he's a two-year guard from Alabama. Um, 19 years old, doesn't turn 20 until April. Okay, he's a talented kid. Um, he's 6'3", uh, 180 pounds unofficially um, because I know his was his physical trainer said he put on 15 pounds of muscle um, this offseason so far. Uh, man, he's got a 6'7 wingspan. So, you know, I, I would not hate it. I would not hate selecting this kid. Um, in 2020 for Alabama, he averaged um, 19 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists. And he did so on 46% from the floor, taking 14.5 attempts, 37% from 3, taking... 4.9 three-point attempts per game, and 80% from the free-throw stripe at a decent 4.2 attempts from the line per game. So he, he's he's a good player. He put up some solid numbers. Um, and the one thing that you didn't like numbers-wise was the 3.5 turnovers uh, and the 2.6 personal fouls. But defensively, he, he had some, di- uh, some nice numbers, 1.8 steals. He's good in the passing lanes. And I know his shot blocking has gotten better, 0.6. Um I've heard some good things about this kid in terms of who he's been compared to. I've looked around, I've watched tape, and I can agree with the De'Aaron Fox comparison. 
I love that. Maybe with a little less explosiveness. Um, Kyrie Irving, I've seen that. I've seen Dennis Schroeder. Um, all impressive names to be to be talked about. You know, in comparison with with those three guys, that's not bad. Maybe Kemba Walker. You know, with a little more speed. It's not bad to be compared to all-star caliber players, really. Um, so yeah, I mean, this—I think speed is where we'll start. Um, you know, we'll start with the pros, and, and speed is the number one thing people think of when they think of Lewis. Um, he's one of the fastest guards, if not the fastest guard in this draft class. Um, you know, I know he excels um, in transition. He excels in space. He's always knifing through defenses. Um, Super aggressive rim attacker. You know, very shifty and crafty when he's going to the rim. Uh, creative finisher. Acrobatic around the rim with a good touch. And, you know, uh, he likes the Euro step, uh, pro step, hop step, floaters, barrage of moves. Um, and, you know, he doesn't have to play on the ball. He, he's good without the basketball in his hands. Um doesn't have the size for it, but he can play the two. He makes good, timely cuts, so he can play without it. Um, but, you know, his number one strength is shot creating. You know, It's the speed, but when he has the ball, he's a very good shot creator. You know, very good ball handles. Um, again, we talked about him being shifty, just creative with the ball. Um, loves the hesitation move, the hang dribble. The, you know, just moves like that. He'll change speeds on you. He can pull up in either direction. That's good. Um, and this past season, um, or actually, I'm sorry, overall, I have here in college, um, 110 for 304 from three-point distance, which was 36%. And then 195 for 246 on free throws, 79%. So he was a good shooter, both at the line and behind the arc, which are good indicators. Um, and again, being able to shoot off the bounce and off the catch is also another good sign that maybe this does translate into the NBA. Um, he's also, he's a decent playmaker. Obviously the turnovers we will talk about again, but the abilities are there to be a good passer, right? He can make passes with either hand. He has the ability to pass it all over the court. Right now, he usually hits perimeter wings, um, but you can see when you watch this kid the ability to be a good number one playmaker. Um, and then on the other end, he's not a bad on-ball defender. He is small, which, again, that's our, that's our number one con, but he uses athleticism to get by, and he's got you know quick lateral movement to where he excels in, um, in the passing lanes, so... A good offensive player, man. I would take this guy, a solid, you know, defender when he's guarding the one. Somebody I would fucking love. You know, if Killian Hayes isn't there, I think he's my second option. Honestly, Kyra might be my first option. 1A and 1B with Killian Hayes. You know, I don't know how I didn't talk about this kid more than I have already. Because I think I just, yeah, I did a little bit of a scouting report on Lewis Jr. A couple of, not a couple of, um... A bunch of episodes ago, it was a couple months ago, when we went over all these pre-draft prospects, Lewis was one of the guys I dove into, and I like him a lot. Um, he's got some really good skills, got some athleticism, and well, he doesn't throw it down like Russell Westbrook or anything like that. He's got speed. He's athletic. And when you're a tiny, small, 
you know, frail guard, you need something like that. You need to be able to shoot and get to the rim, um, you know, and do multiple things. But yeah, the cons here, um, he is a bit undersized. Again, that's going to limit him defensively with his versatility over there, you know, unless he puts on even more muscle, which, you know, how much could he really put on? Um, he's going to be limited to, you know, to being a one position defender, two tops, maybe the smaller shooting guards, but mostly he's going to be guarding ones. Um, he has trouble finishing in traffic. That's one thing he needs to work on. Um, when you got the bigger NBA bigs down there, it's not going to be, you know, he can't be as cute. Um, he's going to have to find out a way to score under the rim um, outside of that floater. You know, he uses it so much to where he can be in, inconsistent and inefficient with it. He was 37% on that floater. Um, so in the NBA, you know, being that tiny, he's going to need to develop, you know, more of a Trey Young, Steph Curry type of mid-range floater game in order to succeed, right? You look you look at those two guys, Steph and Trey, um, they're not super explosive, right? They don't have the athleticism of a god. They don't, you know, they're not very big. They're very scrawny. But they're excellent finishers because they have creative tool sets in the mid-range and in the restricted area. Um, they've got excellent floaters. So maybe Kyra Lewis is going to have that floater, that runner, be his forte when he's attacking the rim. You know, he's going to have to continue to work on that um, because he lacks that explosiveness to dunk on those taller defenders. Right? He's a smaller, skinnier guard. Right. So when you lack that explosiveness, you kind of need... You know, a major strength elsewhere, and maybe inside the arc, he can start to develop that floater, which looks very good at times, um, but makes it more consistent. Also, here again, forced passes become an issue with him at times. Tries to, you know, force the issue a little bit too much, and um, that leads to a lot of turnovers, high turnover games. Um, don't love that. You don't want an inefficient offense. Um, and then last but not least, his last con here, um, he's a bit inconsistent, you know, as a scorer, shooter. Mostly it's, you know, streaky three-point shooting. Um, he's had some really poor stretches um, that went on for, you know, weeks uh, where he couldn't hit threes at, at a good clip. And then he's had good stretches where he hit him at a, at a good clip. But he has not been consistent despite the solid 37% this past season. He's still up and down. And again, with the mid-range area, his J isn't there yet. He doesn't take a lot of them. He, he's reliant on that floater. Um, so, you know, maybe he develops a little more than that. But that that's going to bring some question. We'll see. But I, I really like this kid a lot, man. I can't say I fucking don't. I really like... Lewis's game. I think he's somebody who can really thrive with the Knicks. Um, just having a guy like that who can create, having a guy like that who can pass and play make and and shoot the ball and fucking be able to do things that the Knicks don't need. All the things he's good at are, are, are at the top of the list for the things the Knicks are shit at, right? The number one things the Knicks need are, are that point guard who can create, shoot, pass, He's the guy that does that. It's a no-brainer to me. If you don't get Killian Hayes, you get Lewis. If you don't get Lewis, you get Killian. I really don't... I don't know why this kid's not talking about more. I really like him. I like him a lot. I think he could be a potential 15-5 and five guy. I think he's a 15-5 and five guy. Does he pan out? Maybe. So he's an option, man. I don't hate taking him at number 8. 
do you mess around and risk it a little and try to trade you know, back to 15 and gain an asset or two? And then maybe Lewis is still available? Sure. Maybe that would be that would be the ideal scenario for me. I would definitely do that. But Lewis Jr. is a solid player, man. I think he's got a, a shot. You know, I don't see him shooting too much, um, too worse than league average from three. He can at least hit 35%. I think that's possible. Again, 15 points, maybe more. I mean, he's the guy who I think can thrive in the NBA. He's athletic. And he can shoot a little bit. You know, I like his game. And he's got some tools to where he can hold his own defensively. There are limits. Again, he's going to have to, to, you know, he's not. He's never going to be an all-world defender. You know, Curry isn't. Young isn't. Not comparing him to those two, but I'm saying he can get by. Because there are guys in the NBA that are superstars and get by. So fucking Lewis Jr., I don't know, man. You tell me. I like him a lot. Am I a little too optimistic on him? I fucking like him. (laughs) Let's get to the question of the day after this break. All right, fellas. So really quick, I just want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to my podcast on the many different platforms that I'm on, you can do so right now. And all you got to do to do that is go to my website. Just go to nysports.com. Talk RC dot WordPress dot com forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to the podcast and listen to the podcast or watch it on the many platforms we have, go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Okay, so last time out in episode 171. Episode 171, I asked you guys um, for the NYY, NYK question of the day. I asked you guys who has, excuse me, who has the most triple doubles in New York Knicks history? The answer to that question, Walt Frazier with 23. Isn't that sad? Westbrook's out here getting like 45 a season. <laughs> Walt Frazier, all time for the Knicks, 23. That's all right. I hate that's that anyway. I've grown to hate it. <laughs> Episode 172 tonight. Um, listening to BD4. I'm your host, Rob Carbone. And tonight's question of the night, uh, question of the day. And we're NYY, NYK, question of the day. For tonight, for episode 172. How far... Did the Knicks go in the 1994 postseason? Okay, so how far did the Knicks go in the 1994 postseason? Which round? Message me the answer or comment on the post once I publish the podcast. You could do this on Facebook or Twitter, or you can reach me at NYSportsTalkRC, or you can do this on Instagram. Or you can reach me at Rob J. Carbone. Um, again, I don't use Twitter a ton. So, you know, preferably reach me on Facebook or Instagram. No problem. I'll get back to you. But that's the question. Uh, how far did the Knicks go in the 94 postseason? Guys, that's it for tonight. That is it for tonight's episode. Talked to Kyra Lewis Jr. We talked 
taken on some bad contracts for some assets in return. We talked the World Series. We talked Rob Manfred. Is he MK Ultra? Is he a robot? <laughs> that was so fucking weird, man. I, I swear, I texted my friends. I'm like, did you see that Manfred shit? Is he a fucking robot? That MK Ultra shit that people love to talk about? And I've seen Jalen Rose kind of lag on air. I've seen videos of that, and I was like, whoa, that's creepy. I thought Manfred was, was fucking some kind of fucking weird-ass robot or CPU. He was lagging. He was literally lagging last night. But it turns out, I hope it turns out that it was the earpiece fucking um, echoing or something. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. I'm your host, Rob Carbone. Once again, episode 172 of the podcast of BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Guys, thank you so much, and I will see you next time. That's all we got for tonight. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.